What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three speedsters that are constantly messing with time. I'm Matt Johnson, and I was really hoping that Ashton Kutcher would reprise his role from the hit film The Butterfly Effect in this movie. I'm Keith Baker, and I still can't figure out what's going on with Ben Affleck's weight gain and loss in the DCU. And I'm Austin Terry, and I'm just hoping we get Val Kilmer back in the Batsuit one of these days. On today's show, of course, we're talking about the movie seemingly 30 years in the making. Plagued by constant delays, writer and director changes, the star being a complete piece of shit off-camera on top of dealing with never-ending legal issues, and many more things, The Flash is somehow now out in theaters. Is it even worth the discourse at this point? That's what we're here to talk about. But before we get to that, let's keep it simple. What would you guys travel back in time to change? Yeah, I've been thinking long and hard about this question, and I landed on an answer that I think we can all support. Um, I would go back and change my high school haircut. Because I was a young boy <laughs> who would just grow his hair out very long and buzz it, and there was no in between. So no matter what, I was looking terrible. You know what? I think I might go back in time and change your haircut too, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like it at the time as well. <laughs> For me, I think you guys have both proved how selfish you are. I, of course, would go back to kill baby Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I would go back and change. Maybe I would set Ezra Miller on the right path. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he would go back and kill baby Ezra Miller. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I could go that far yet, but we, we got to have a sit down chat, I think. Yeah. So, of course, I mean, jokes aside, you know, we're going to be talking about The Flash today. And I don't think you can really talk about this movie without just a little bit of a disclaimer. Ezra Miller, I don't know what happened in the last couple of years. It seems like they went a little crazy, um, like reports of constant breaking and entering. They've been at multiple bars, like multiple days apart and assaulted people, like causing gashes on people's foreheads and stuff like that. Um, grooming allegations for young children. Strangely enough, there's also like kidnapping related things of them just taking people that are supposedly maybe their friends. We don't know. And not letting them talk to their parents and the parents have to get police involved like it's crazy what's gone on in the last few years once this movie kind of started getting ramped up so i personally am not a fan of them i think it's kind of weird how wb has handled this situation basically just doing the easier out of like well if ezra miller says that they're sorry and they're gonna get help then maybe they can stick around and i mean it's like did they even get help they showed up to the premiere took some pictures answered some questions and it's like this feels weird with everything going on. So who even knows if they got the help that they clearly need. So it's a weird thing. I just wanted to put that out there um, right now, because I think it's kind of hard to not acknowledge that when talking about this movie. So just wanted to say that before we get into it. Yeah, this is, of course, the classic, can you separate the artist from their art conversation? And at this point, I don't think Ezra Miller has earned the right to be separated from their art. Yeah. So it's just tough to, for WB to justify why... Of all the actors and actresses they work with, Ezra Miller is the one that gets to continue on. Uh, so that, that's been the weird part for all this. And I don't think WB has given a very good answer throughout all this. No, but all right. So there you go. We kind of put that out there. So keep that in mind. We just wanted to acknowledge that um, because I think there's a lot of people out there that have no interest in seeing this for them. And I totally understand that. I'm not one of those people either. I was pretty much <laughs> way more interested in every, everything else that we knew about related to this movie going in. But there we go. So let's go ahead and get into it, guys. Austin and Keith, what were your expectations going in, as well as your non-spoiler thoughts on The Flash? Yeah, I just, uh, for all of the history and director changes, cast changes, producer changes tied to this movie, 
I think it is a miracle this movie is not a complete piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed The Flash. Is it the best comic book movie ever made like they marketed it to be? No, I don't, I don't even think I would say it's even close to being the best comic book movie ever made. Is it better than Black Adam? Sure. I think it's in the yeah. between there. <laughs> so it definitely falls kind of like right in the average range. I think there's a lot of fun moments in this movie. I think there's a lot of laugh out loud moments in this movie. I think the multiverse stuff, it's not as interesting as what you may get in something like Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, but for what they presented to us, I still found it very compelling and interesting. The action, I think, looks top notch. Um, I think there's just a lot of like baseline story questions in this movie that I have. But overall, I had a really good time with it. Um, I think it's worth seeing in theaters, and I'm kind of just left wondering, like, what was the point of this movie with the universe resetting? So I have a lot of questions about this movie. Overall, though, I did enjoy it, and I think it's a good time. Yeah, I think I'm kind of there with you, Austin. Um, Would definitely recommend going to theaters for it, especially as far as DCEU movies goes. Um, This this one definitely uh, hit home for me. Uh, I would say... I had a great time watching this overall. Um, the story was fun. The characters were funny, like you said. We had some badass moments. Uh, I'm kind of like you, Austin. I think I do have some questions um, with what's going on in the universe uh, after leaving the theater. Um, but that's that's to be expected with a lot of this multiverse stuff. So uh, overall, no more thoughts that I have that are non-spoily. So I'll leave it at that. Yep, I'm right there with you guys as well. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was surprisingly really solid. Yeah, I don't know. It just it feels different from a lot of these, um, not just superhero movies, but mainly it feels different in a good way from a lot of the self-seriousness of the DCEU that we've seen up until this point uh, for, like I guess, 10 years now uh, since Man of Steel started. Uh, it's emotional. It's heartwarming. It's funny. I thought the action was really fun and good. It has some really solid performances. Um, Ezra Miller, of course, is a great actor, and seeing them, they did a great job. And that's the last I'm going to say of Ezra Miller. Just going to be talking <laughs> about Barry Allen for the rest of this, but no surprise, I thought they were solid. Um, yeah, so I think it was just a really good theater experience. I know there's been some discourse about the visuals in the movie. Um, there are some weird moments, but I think a lot of it was intentional. I think Andy Muschietti, the director, even said so, like it was kind of on purpose to make it look that way. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So there were definitely some moments where I was like, oh, like that, you know, kind of took me aback a little bit. Um, but other than that, I don't really have much negative to say about it. Like, you know, maybe the ending could have been a little bit better. There was one thing that did sour me a little bit. Um, I wanted bit more of a villain presence, but I guess you could also argue that the main character isn't a traditional villain, but, you know, because of what they're doing and what they did, they kind of ended up becoming a little bit of a villain in their own story. So that was kind of an interesting element. But yeah, I think before we move on to spoilers, because there is so much to spoil in this, more than a lot of the things we talk about, um, I'll just say that I'm really glad this movie got made despite the controversy, because the fact of the matter is... There is a lot of people in front of and behind the camera that worked on this that are not the lead star. And so it's good that they get to see their movie come out. Clearly, they all worked hard on it. So I'm glad it came out for that reason alone. Yeah. And speaking of that, I, I kind of wanted more of everybody else in uh, the supporting cast in this movie. Like my biggest critique of this movie is I just wanted more from everybody, um, particularly Michael Keaton's Batman. If you're coming in this movie to see him back. He doesn't occupy a huge part of the film, or at least maybe he's not in costume for a whole lot of the film. So there's a lot of things I kind of just wanted more of for this film. I won't call it like a negative or a disappointment. I just think everything we got from the supporting cast and Ezra Miller as Barry Allen is very good. I just kind of was left with like, yeah, it's it's really good. And I kind of wish there was more of it. So 
I think overall it's a positive. I just kind of wish we had gotten more from particularly Michael Keaton's Batman and Sasha Kaye's Supergirl. For me, I guess I was fine with it being more Flash-based since that's what I was really wanting was just a, a good Flash movie. And I think we did definitely get it here. I think any negative I have is just the uh, the purpose of the story, maybe. But it's more nitpicky than anything. I don't think it's terrible or super confusing by any means. But definitely want to break it down with you guys later on uh, as we get into it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on here. We're going to go ahead and drop the official spoiler warning. So if you're somebody that is planning on seeing The Flash and haven't yet, I would say go check it out and then come on back to listen to the rest of this. Alternatively, I know a lot of you out there will not be uh, seeing this movie for um, a variety of different reasons, which I totally understand. But if you're still like curious, like kind of how crazy this movie plays out, I'd recommend, you know what, if you're not going to see it, just go ahead and keep on listening to the rest of our show because we might surprise you with uh, some of the things that we bring up. All right, everyone, welcome to the official spoiler conversation for The Flash. But before we get into uh, the topics themselves that we wanted to bring up, let's go ahead and do some cast and crew talk. Um, and by nature of reading off who's in this, we're going to be kind of uh, getting to spoiler territory very quickly. All right. So The Flash, of course, is directed by Andy Buschetti, who you may know from Mama, It Chapters 1 and 2, and will also be directing the upcoming DCU film for James Gunn, Batman the Brave and the Bold. The movie is written by Christina Hodson, who you may know from Bumblebee and Birds of Prey. Our score for the film is composed by Benjamin Walfish. And of course, based on Barry Allen, The Flash, created by Robert Kaniger and Carmine Infantino, as well as Flashpoint by Jeff Johns. All right. And going to our cast, we have Ezra Miller as Barry Allen, The Flash, 2013 Barry, and Dark Flash. We have Sasha Kelly as Kara Zor-El, Supergirl. Michael Shannon, returning as General Zod. Maribel Verdu as Nora Allen. We got Ron Livingston replacing Billy Cudrup as Henry Allen. Kirsty Clemens returning from the Snyder Cut as Iris West. Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Tamara Morrison as Thomas Curry. Nicolas Cage briefly as Superman. And George Clooney as Bruce Wayne. And we got Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne. And we got Michael Keaton returning as his version of Bruce Wayne Batman for the first time in 31 years. All right, guys, there's a loaded cast and crew. Any positives, any negatives? What do we got? Yeah, I think I'm going to give my highlight to Andy Muschietti, who directed this movie. It must have been so tough coming into this project. I think they lost three directors, if I remember correctly, um, to come in and basically make a movie that was like even average, I think is commendable. Um, but I also thought he kind of took it and ran with it. The story itself is very interesting. It wastes no time getting right into it. Um, the multiverse stuff I found super interesting. And I even like the intro with kind of like the villain of the week type aspect of it. It, it does feel very comic booky. So coming in, picking up a movie that was in shandles and actually making a presentable product, I think it's commendable. And I think he even went a step further and actually made a pretty decent movie. So my highlight is definitely Andy Machete and can't wait to see what he does with Batman the Brave and the Bold. I guess I'll just kind of second the uh, the visual department for sure. I really like the way the Flash's powers looked in this movie for sure. Like all the slow-mo scenes look great. I love like the brink moments whenever he's about to start running. I think overall, I just really like the way his powers and, and like the fast running through like going through all like the mountains and across states and through cities. It all looks really, it look, all looks really, really cool. Um, more so than I would say like other Flash things I've seen like the Flash show, which didn't look bad, but this took it to a whole new level. Yeah, they definitely 
elevated it from being the typical just like red streak across the screen. Like it actually looks like he's running at these speeds. I'll go ahead and stick with the cast. I'll pick two, I guess. Um, someone that I thought maybe could have used a few more scenes just to justify certain actions. But regardless of that, I do think Sasha Kaye as Supergirl was really awesome. Uh, really badass. And in a somewhat limited screen time, we even got a couple like genuine, like good emotional moments in there. And the performance was great. I mean, the moment I think of is when Zod kind of drops the bomb that he uh, has already killed the infant Clark that Kara was, you know, tasked with coming to uh, Earth to protect. Um, and so the second she finds that out and she like uses uh, the laser vision for the first time, that was pretty sick. Um, and then also she's kind of the heart of the film uh, in many different ways. Obviously, she's the reason Barry runs back in the first place. So I think you have to have an actress that makes that believable. I mean, they're the heart of the film. And that's Maribel uh, Verdu as Nora Allen. Thought she was also great. Pretty much every scene she was in, I thought was pitch perfect. Yeah, she's definitely the heart of the film for sure. All right, guys, well, with that, it is time to go a little bit deeper. So let's go ahead and get into our roundtable discussion and break it all down. This is the main part of our show where each of us brings a topic or two that we really want to dive deeper into and talk about. So who's starting us off today? Yeah, I did want to touch on the intro to kick us off today because this is kind of the typical villain of the week intro. You just have a very basic comic booky storyline of like Batman calls the Flash and says, I need you, Barry, get over here. And he runs over to help. I feel like this is the most comic book booky. Uh, that the DCEU has gotten lately, where it's kind of just like a very casual villain. The Flash is running around saving some babies that are falling. It, it just it feels like something that you would read in a comic book page. So I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of just whole intro, seeing Ben Affleck again as Batman, seeing Gal Gadot. What were your thoughts on all of this? Oh, man, I love seeing Ben Affleck as Batman. That was so so cool watching him go through the streets of Gotham and, and using all of his tools and everything like that, using the grappling hook on the bridge. It was just so fun. He looked so cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I thought it was the perfect way to kind of get us back into the world of DC and these characters. Um, I thought it was fun to kind of show that Barry, while having the ability of a speedster, is still struggling to kind of keep up. You know, he still can't be on time for work and, you know, save all these people and kind of uh, live up to that supposed responsibility he has. I liked the, like at the sandwich shop, uh, I thought that was a, a fun little introduction <laughs> i don't know I, I like pretty much all of it then going outside and getting noticed by fans and trying to like address that because of course like every like kid in this world would be like obsessed with these heroes you would think especially since this justice league presumably in this world is a publicly known entity i think it's they kind of you know people know about that which is cool um but then yeah once you get to gotham itself and it's fun to see him chat with alfred alfred's kind of his person in the chair but then he's also talking to bruce which is great um, and yeah, I mean, right off the bat, it gave us cool action with the Flash, like seeing them slow down time. I always liked that the Flash's thing is that he burns calories so fast that he has to be constantly eating. So you think he's about to save the baby, but then he actually like breaks a vending machine first and just eats <laughs> as much as he can and then saves the babies was cool. And in addition to that, you're also getting cool Batman action. And I think that's appropriate because like we said, this is presumably the last time We'll ever see Ben Affleck is the character, so why not go out in style with a really sweet action scene? The motorcycle stuff was great. What a perfect moment to also bring in Wonder Woman. You know, Batman isn't perfect, so the fact that and he's got with no power, so of course, occasionally, like his gadgets are going to get fucked. So he's about to die, and then the lasso of truth comes in. I loved it. I love like the occasional funny Batman moment whenever he's just like talking about why he does this. <laughs> Super funny. So yeah, what a perfect intro. Would it have been? Maybe slightly better if you throw in a quick Henry Cavill in there. 
of course. But you know what? We got most of the Justice League here. And we got him on the TV, technically. He's like lasering so. a volcano yeah. or something. Yeah, you yeah. see him from behind shooting a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, like, I know this technically isn't really the villain of the week part of the intro, but I think there's still a lot to cover, you know, before the actual flashpoint of it all. I was really surprised in a good way how much they really crammed into uh, the beginning here. I mean, after all that, we still see Flash going to work. And it's like, why does he do this? Well, it's because he got into forensics because of not being able to, you know, save his dad from his fate and having to go to prison, which is cool. We're kind of shown the fact that he isn't really good with people. Like, he kind of has friends, but even his friends are, like, kind of dicks to him. It's like, okay. Um, And then, like, I love seeing a quick scene of him talking with his dad, and we're already getting to some emotional moments, watching him run to his childhood home, and then you kind of understand pretty quickly that he is pretty emotionally not only broken, but stunted from everything that has happened. And I thought that, like, led in just pitch perfectly to going back home and having him talk with um Bruce one more time, like kind of like talking about how, you know, broken he feels. But then of course you have the great Batman wisdom of like, you know, these scars are what makes us and it would be irresponsible to run back and change it. So it's like even after the really sweet action intro, we're getting basically the whole setup of the movie very fast. But it it worked. I thought I thought all of it was good. Yeah. And of course Bruce's wisdom of you can't keep focusing on the past, and he points out how many mistakes he has made in his own career, um, especially in the context of this Batman being a Batman who was on a murdering rampage for a long time in Gotham. I found that to be really effective. Like He is this older statesman of the Justice League, and it's kind of fun watching him impart that onto someone who has still just recently discovered their powers and is just kind of still stepping into this hero role. Yeah, and then like capping that off with like with what Austin said about, you know, addressing the mistakes he's made. And it was nice to see Flash be like, but you're Batman, you know, look at all that you've accomplished. And he's like, yeah, and I'm proud of that. But I am alone because of that and because of the choices I've made. And you're still young, so you should live your life. Because at this point, Barry is also alone. But I think he thinks that that's okay that he's alone because of maybe how he looks up to his Batman or just kind of the way he lives his life being so sad and wanting to change the past. And knowing that he has the ability to change the past, but like, I guess I can't. But now, of course, it finally dawns on him uh, because of talking with Iris West that, you know what? I will. It won't be a big deal. So this was just all great setup. So that, of course, was the intro and Ben Affleck's Batman. But of course, Ben Affleck is not the only Batman in this film. Uh, Believe it or not, there's three. uh, But the other main one is Michael Keaton's Batman. Keaton said it in the intro. First time in 31 years he has reprised his role. What did we think of everything we got from Mr. Michael Keaton in this movie? I thought it was awesome that he came back. I was pumped for it whenever they first announced that he was coming back for this. And uh, yeah, I thought he was really badass. Like it, it didn't feel like it was some old timey Batman guy coming back. Like he, he definitely fit this universe too, um, which is really cool. Especially the action scenes, which I know is obviously not a Michael Keaton in the in the suit, stunt double or CGI or whatever, but he, like the the crazy final battle action scenes with him, the way it looked when he he was like hopping uh, on top of the guys and like and putting the the bombs on their on their backs, uh, I thought I thought that was so cool looking. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people, this was kind of the main curiosity about this movie. How are they going to do that? Um, and for me, I would say it worked more than it didn't. I don't really know what I didn't. Lo- I really liked it. I don't know what I didn't love about it. I don't know. Maybe if they had just a little more screen time, they could have added in a couple more conversations between characters. Again, I liked it all, but there was just something that I can't quite articulate that felt it was missing a little bit. But I really enjoyed their action scenes. I enjoyed 
the like not subtle use of the 89 Batman theme. That it's Danny not Elfman subtle did. at all. Yeah, because they just keep using it. But it's awesome. So you have to. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, whenever he falls out of the bat plane or the bat wing and then like you see the the silhouette in the moon like from the original as he's like soaring. It's like, oh, that's sick. But yeah, the performance I thought was really solid. Um, yeah, and I enjoyed his action more than I thought I would. And it's also cool that he hasn't been Batman for a long time because his Gotham doesn't really need one anymore because it's a lot safer. Um, so it was cool to see him get back in the suit and a lot of his gadgets be much older compared to more modern Batmans we've seen in the past, including Ben Affleck's Batman. Like it was really fun to see like his hacking device was effective, but it's pretty not state of the art. I love that (laughs) whenever they escape the base, he has to use a tape measure to do some quick math in order to figure (laughs) out how much of a charge they need to get out of there. I was like, "Ah, that's really cool seeing like a Batman using uh, some older tech and then some just like not even tech. I mean, it's a literal tape measure. So I like that. That was fun. That was cool. So I love Keaton. I thought he was great, but I'd like to see more, I guess. But then I guess also at the same time, it's not his movie. So, you know, you got to limit a little bit there. But and yeah, like, I don't know. Like I said, the conversations that he had, I thought were all effective. I love that he echoed uh, Ben Affleck's line of maybe like some other time or something. I, I, I thought that was an easy win. I knew they were going to have them like say one line that was the same. So I like that. Um, and yeah, their conversations with Barry, I thought were great. And I loved Barry like coming clean about his mom. And then that leads to a whole thing that we'll get into. But yeah, he, he worked kind of as a as a mentor in a different way, I guess. Yeah, I think I might be kind of with you, Matt. I guess I thought Michael Keaton was really good. I thought he had some really cool moments. I, I would say I think there's really only one true Batman moment in this one. And that's when he dives down on the guys on the Russian guys with the guns. And it's a really sweet, quick action scene. I don't know. It, it, there's something about it that felt hollow to me, like almost that it wasn't impactful. I, I think it's cool that Michael Keaton is back. But then part of me is like, this is a flashpoint story. I wonder if this would have been better if we had seen Thomas Wayne. I, I think that's kind of what I was thinking throughout the film. Yeah. I mean, of course, it would have been cool to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan playing Thomas Wayne. I did see people point out on social media and actually think that they're exactly right. Like, of course, I'm sure it was a win whenever they realized, oh, we could make it. We may be able to get Michael Keaton back as Batman. Uh, but also, if you think about it, in Flashpoint, you have a very traditional Batman in the beginning, and then you go into the Flashpoint, and then you get this murderous Batman. The trick, the tricky part in the DCEU <laughs> is Ben Affleck is a murderous Batman. So then if you go to the Flashpoint, and the whole f- gimmick of this guy is that he's also a murderous Batman, eh, doesn't really work as well. So maybe that was part of it. Were you guys surprised that his Gotham wasn't the Burton Gotham? That was weird. I was expecting it to look very gothic whenever they got there. So what does that mean? Does that mean that this is not actually that version of Batman? This is just another multiverse variant that happens to look like Michael Keaton or whatever? I think that's how we're supposed to take it, because in Barry's childhood, you would have had the crazy penguins and all that from Tim Burton if it was the Burton universe. But instead, it's just it's a different guy that that looks like Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. You would have had Danny DeVito being a menace, I guess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for one I of the, love that. The formative <laughs> moments of Barry Allen's childhood. Flashpoint has struggled when it came to the CW, that adaptation. But really, the only other adaptation I can think of is the great Flashpoint Paradox, the DC animated movie. And that was a very kind of one-to-one version from the comic. So I was curious, is this going to be a good adaptation or is it going to be kind of a muddled mess trying to use elements of that story and, you know, tell this, you know, wider story around it with a bunch of new stuff? 
And I actually was really impressed with how they kind of melded it all together. Uh, I love that once he kind of makes the choice to go back, um, he's like, I did it. And he's like running back to the present. You're seeing all these great little moments. And he's so happy because he's seeing like a, a like birthday cakes from his mom indicating that, oh, what I did worked. You know, he's kind of like getting glimpses of, you know, the subsequent, I guess, like new future that he missed because now he's running back to it. So I thought that was really cool. And then to kind of just like cut off that moment with this, whoa, who the fuck is this? Like this like dark speedster running down and punching him out of the timeline kind of was uh, some good intrigue, I thought, because, you know, uh, the main villain and Flash is main villain in general, but the main villain of Flashpoint is reverse Flash. And so whenever someone runs into the timeline and they're not wearing a yellow suit with a red lightning bolt, I was like, huh, who's this? Who's this going to? This is kind of cool. And I actually kind of liked how it paid off at the end. So taking some elements from the original story um, and just like using some like totally original elements too, I thought was a good choice. Yeah, I think that's a good point because they did have a lot of elements of Flashpoint present in this, like him doing the lightning chair with Batman to get his powers back and things like that. So I actually thought they did a really good job of taking the traditional Flashpoint story and twisting it to fit what made sense for this universe. And like I said, I loved uh, the original elements, too. I thought it was really fun to have two Barrys occupying the same timeline. Led to some great comedy. I thought 2013 Barry was, yes, annoying, but obviously annoying on purpose. And honestly, I thought their humor worked more than like it didn't. I thought it they was were really, really fun funny and really sweet. Like whenever he makes the turn, you know, oh, this is a really sweet person. And despite being mad at our Barry at the end, he still makes the sacrifice play. And I was like, wow, what a what a really like a genuinely good and well-written character, I thought. Um, but some of those uh, original elements that I really liked that I didn't expect would be in this was, and I think the trailers might have made a couple changes to make you think this wasn't going to happen, but having to ensure that 2013 Barry gets his powers because our Barry is scared if he doesn't, then maybe that'll somehow mean that he'll lose his powers by some like kind of, you know, timey-wimey shit. But then watching them do that and in the process, uh, new Barry gets his powers, but old Barry loses his. I thought that led to some really cool stuff, too. Like watching him not have his powers for a while was really sometimes funny, sometimes scary. And like basically having to rely on this new guy that's just gotten powers as you're like at means of using speed and like being the Flash was like kind of funny at times, but also like, fuck, Zod's coming. This is not good. <laughs> the scene when... Present day Barry first tries to run without his uh, speed force. It was so funny doing the goofy run that only looks cool when you got the speed force around yep. it. <laughs> um, and also just there were a lot of really good gimmicks with 2013 Barry of like him phasing down to the bottom neighbor's apartment while naked, having to run back up, things like that. Um, he somehow became really endearing def- despite at first being super annoying. I liked watching modern day Barry become frustrated with his old self and being like, oh, you talk all the time. It's not as endearing as you think it is. And then realizing, oh, I do that all the time in modern day. Like things like that, I thought were really sweet and made sense for just if, if you got stuck, like if I got stuck dealing with myself with my bad haircut, I'd be really annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But yeah, it, yeah, it was just a good dynamic because it was also funny that our Barry was definitely, I would not call him a genius, but he's definitely very smart. Uh, and certainly capable of handling himself. And it kind of begs the question when you meet old Barry, it's like, oh, did our Barry not get smart until he went to college? <laughs> because this Barry is not an idiot, but he's certainly oblivious. Um, after the intro of Michael Keaton's Batman, I think Barry, like our Barry mentioned something like, and we need a Batman. Like, that's why we came here or whatever. And then <laughs> uh, new Barry is like, wait, you're Batman? <laughs> and our Barry is like, 
Why did, wait, why did you think we came here? I thought we were going to the cousin dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he thought like uh, Arbery was being literal whenever he used an excuse to get out of the apartment. Like, we're going to our cousin's dinner. And he's like, somehow he thought that this abandoned manor was where they were hosting a family get together. And also s- stupid Barry just introduces modern Barry to his friends as this is my cousin Barry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my cousin Barry. <laughs> oh, that was good. So what about Supergirl? This is our first time seeing her on the big screen. Um, Sasha Kaye, I thought, grave a great performance. She's not in a ton of scenes. Um, from what we got, what do you think of her uh, intro to this movie? I thought her intro was great. Uh, I was not expecting that at all. And I guess I had for kind of forgotten about the whole Henry Cavill thing. He got fired by James <laughs> Gunn. <laughs> yeah. He was supposed to fight Black Adam. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> no, I thought it was a uh, cool... An unexpected intro for her because I was really expecting, I guess, Henry Cavill there for a second. So yeah, that was that was awesome to see her do everything that Superman does, same powers and everything. Obviously, she's from Krypton, and but I, I actually was kind of more curious into her story too that she was Superman's cousin and that he had died as an infant in this version of the world. So um, I maybe missed some stuff, but I was definitely curious about that. Like, I guess they're they're supposed to be the same age. I guess so. I guess she knew that he had come, o- had come over here as a baby. She's supposed to be a little older, but she was she was supposed to watch over him as he grew up on this earth. But Zod intercepted his pod and killed him because he thought the Krypton DNA stuff was in his bloodline. And instead, in this universe, it got transferred to Supergirl. Yeah, and like in the lore, she's much older. I mean, obviously Clark's a baby, and she's much older. But like whenever their pods get sent off. His like goes straight to Earth or whatever, and I think she gets caught either in like the Phantom Zone or some like wormhole. So once she gets to Earth, she's still a lot older, but then she's surprised to meet Superman, who's now a grown man. So it had like some like, you know, timey stuff. But yeah, I thought she was great. There's not a whole lot of her in this movie, which was a little disappointing. Uh, she certainly made great use of the scene she was in, so much so that I was like desperately wanting more of it. I think a worse actor or like worse writing wouldn't have been able to sell the fact that she, unlike Superman, because she didn't grow up with like a loving family on Earth or whatever, like she's pretty immediately like, thanks for saving me, but I don't, I'm not a human. I'm Kryptonian, so I'm going to just peace out and go see what's going on with Zod and all that. But then once she gets there and sees the level of destruction, I think she realizes, oh, okay, I should go help the people. And there's, there's that great scene where, you know, she just assumes that all humans are bad because she was like trapped and tortured for so long. Uh, but then she kind of gets to see that's not the case. So and then she joins the kind of new Justice League, so to speak. And yeah, all the action stuff I thought was great. I thought I thought it was like a better interpretation of the Man of Steel action. Because I thought Man of Steel leaned a bit too much into kind of slow-mo and doing that thing where like whenever Superman fights, he's kind of like he just jumps from person to person. It's the choreography wasn't as good. I like I liked how this one handled it a bit better. Uh, both good though. Um, and yeah, it was really sad to see that you know apparently at least in this universe she's destined to die, and there was no way to really help with that. But yeah, overall really liked her. Um, I also wanted to mention just Michael Shannon, of course, is back as Zod. Um, before the movie, I saw an interview with him where he was like, it wasn't as satisfying playing as Zod as it was in Man of Steel. And I was like, come on, dude, like, is this just a weird, like, loyalty to Zack Snyder thing? But then I, whenever, of course, when you see the movie and he's got like two scenes, it's like, okay, that makes sense. He probably was not very satisfied with how much he ended up in the movie. Yeah, 95% of what he does in the movie is just action. And that w- he probably wasn't even present for a lot of that. That might have been like stunt doubler just using CG to replace his face in those scenes. So I'd be, the only scenes I can think that he was in 
Besides, I mean, the main one is just the confrontation with Supergirl whenever he says he killed baby uh, Kal-El and then she fights back. But there really wasn't much like intrigue to the character. I think the writers were probably just like, well, you all saw Man of Steel, so we don't need to rehash it. But yeah, yeah it was a bit disappointing. There's really Zod is almost a non-factor in this. It was cool they got him to come back. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. we, we didn't get a, I will find him. I will, I will find him. Find him. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's okay that, you know, he didn't have too much screen time. I, I think maybe even a more effective example is, you know, Dark Flash, a character that we see in really, I would say, one extended scene. You see him real quick at the beginning and then you see him in one like really quick like nightmare scene uh, that Barry has. But I thought that was a great way to, for a character to have very little screen time, but I, I was pretty compelled by what they were doing with that. I thought it was interesting to kind of have a Barry that can't get over the fact that, well, I have the power to go back, so I'll just keep going back and eventually drive myself crazy. Um, so even though a lot of the villains, I guess, didn't have a lot of screen time, at least it was impactful, I'd say. And I don't think any of this would have been as effective if we hadn't seen the relationship between Barry and his mom, uh, largely due to Maribel Verdue's performance as Nora Allen. If this didn't have any weight and they had just kind of phoned this in, I think it wouldn't have been meaningful in the third act. But because we got some really, really sweet flashback scenes uh, between the two of them, also the scenes at the store with them interacting were very sweet as well. So all this really hit, like kind of tugged at all the emotional heartstring chords moments that you need. And so because you have that weight of knowing the mom, knowing who she is as a person, knowing what she means to Barry, all this felt, I thought, way more impactful than it would have been if we hadn't have had a strong um, emotional center for this movie. Yeah, Maribel. Yeah, she played a really great part as his mom. She was really sweet, especially the grocery store scene at the end, uh, which is like, yeah, super heartbreaking when he has to do the uh, the quick run to put the can back in the back on the shelf. You're like, oh man, you know, it's killing him. But at the same time, they had a really cool moment. So definitely, like you said, Austin. Um, yeah, it wouldn't make sense for Dark Flash's motivations um, if they didn't have the family center at it all. Um, so that was really interesting, and I like, and I, yeah, I thought I liked the fact that 2013 Barry did sacrifice himself at the end. It was sad, but um, necessary, and that really made sense to me as 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 far as the like the multiverse and like the the paradox goes. The only thing that doesn't make sense is how does Dark Flash exist if 2013 Barry sacrifices himself there? Because this Flash is yeah, much older. I was wondering that too. I was kind of like, well. Is it just like one big circle then? Like, how did he, how did Dark Flash exist in the first place? Uh, <laughs> That's when it gets confusing. I answer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, they had Keaton explain, like, you know, kind of expanding on the butterfly effect of like when you go back and change something in the past, it creates not a new line, but it creates basically an intersection. Like, here's where you made the change, but actually everything before it and after, you're changing everything. You're changing the past and the future. So I guess. There's probably a variation of the 2013 Barry that didn't die at that point and then grew old. And then this version of 2013 Barry uh, dies and then that kills the other version. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I think you're, you're 100% right. I think there's a version of this where they could have not shown flashbacks to Barry's mom at all um, and just kind of rely on the fact, well, his mom died and he's broken over that still. And that's why he runs back to change it. Um, but having the flashbacks before he runs back and then kind of having her scattered throughout the rest of the movie, uh, I think was really important because it drove it home that much harder. Uh, like you said, it, you wouldn't have understood anybody's motivation, like any version of Barry, had they not shown that. Uh, they were all sweet. She was great. And yeah, that final scene where he basically lets her die is 
pretty heartbreaking. It got me a little bit. I was getting teary-eyed there, watching him kind of stop time to place his head back into her hand and say the thing they always said uh, to each other is like, mom and son was super sweet. He gets to hug her. He gets to say goodbye in his own way. So it was perfect. So I'm sure you're wondering, well, Matt, there's nothing else to say about that. Perfect scene. Wow. What a great emotional conclusion. But unfortunately, Austin and Keith, they fucked it up. I was joking with this to Keith. Uh, I talked about how I loved in a superhero movie. We get to see a superhero make a very hard and mature decision that directly results in them sacrificing someone they love for the greater good. Uh, in this case, Barry's own mom. He learns so much in this movie. He just lost the other version of Barry in the process. Um, he's learned so much along this crazy ride in this Flashpoint universe. He's matured. He's ready to stop living in the past like Bruce told him and move forward. So how does a character that goes through this journey grow so much, overcome so much emotionally and physically in the scene where he says goodbye to his mom and is resigned to let her die? How does he decide it is now okay to go, well, my mom's going to die, but you know what I can do? Get my dad out of prison. You fucking idiot. <laughs> like, what do you think's going to happen? He puts the tomatoes on the top shelf so that when he runs back, his dad now has to look up into the camera to prove that he was there. And now Barry's surprised to run outside and see George Clooney. What? I changed something? You fucking idiot. What did you think was going to happen? It's like, he's like in the same scene that it's like, it's okay now to let my mom die and move on. I'm going to save my dad now. <laughs> this didn't bother me as... as Obviously, of course, it's dumb that he is surprised that stuff is different now, yeah. but this didn't bother me as much because his mom dying is an intersection, so I think he learned he can't undo that. But I also think there's no way he could let his dad rot in prison for his whole life for something yeah. he didn't do. And then he also did take Bruce's advice in a way. He didn't interact with anybody by moving the cans. Of course, he's stupid for still doing it, but <laughs> I, I think it would have been really unsatisfying if he hadn't done something to benefit himself in the present day. Didn't bother me too much. It was kind of funny. I, I, thought, like, I think I thought it was funny more than anything. Yeah. Because it, it just happened in the same scene where he's like <laughs> showing the character growth. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, before we close out here, I wanted to ask what you think the future of this is exactly. Obviously, we see Barry run back to what he assumes is his present, uh, is able to successfully get his dad out of prison. Um, a great moment, even though we talked about the funniness that led up to it. Uh, he goes outside. He talks to Bruce on the phone. Uh, Bruce is coming to, you know, congratulate him basically and say hi. He gets there, but it's not Ben Affleck. It's not even Michael Keaton. It is George Clooney. So, yeah, Barry, still making changes, still kind of a creating a potential, even another uh, universe here. So, like I said, what is the future of this now? After all the controversy, it seems Gunn and Saffron aren't opposed to potentially bringing this star back after maybe getting help despite their ongoing legal troubles. So do you think they end up coming back uh, in Gunn's DCU due to the ability to, I guess, traverse timelines? I guess it wouldn't be that crazy. Uh, and based on the post credit scene, it looks like at least Aquaman maybe isn't in the DCU, but Aquaman's definitely in this new timeline that Barry created. And they even mention in that scene, like Barry's like, I come back, there was one Batman, and then I ran to one universe, there was another Batman, and then I run back to this one, and there's another Batman. But then Aquaman's like, well, what about me? Am I different? And he's like, no, I guess in all of them, you're the same. So I guess that's kind of a cheap way that they can just explain that we might see some actors come back. So I guess my question is, you know, with how this ended, I mean, is this, I don't know, leading to more with some of these same characters under guns control, I guess? 
I do think Ezra is going to be back. Warner Bros. Had, has stood by them so much, it would be weird if all of a sudden they were like, we can't tolerate you anymore. Uh, so I think they'll be back. It seems like James Gunn and Peter Safran, I mean, they both said this is the best comic book movie they've ever seen. So it seems like they are both really like Ezra in the role. Uh, thinking about it just in terms of the context of the movie, it would be weird if, if Barry Allen came back to the present day and, and they were different because they moved through time. So that would be weird. So I, I can see them making a case for Ezra to come back. I will say regarding Aquaman, I knew Aquaman was in this teaser. I know he has an, a movie coming up at the end of this year. I didn't even bother to see this post-credit scene. I could care less about what they do with Aquaman. <laughs> Austin, why would you say that? I thought you were excited for Aquaman. I, from what I, I don't remember. care. I don't give a shit about Aquaman 2 because I don't think it's going to lead to anything. I'm excited Jason Momoa is getting to stay in the role. But okay. I think Aquaman 2 is going to be the most pointless movie to come out in 15 years. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I can respect that. But as far as George Clooney... Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I mean... Is George Clooney going to play an older, retired Bruce Wayne? I, I think this was a joke. I, I, I think I, this was a joke. Yeah, that's because what I thought too. I think George so. Clooney has talked about so much that he doesn't like how that movie was received. He doesn't like how he thought he had killed the Batman franchise. He has paid people, like giving them a refund for going to see that movie. So I think this was just a joke to kind of close the loop on George Clooney's Batman. Yeah, I'm leaning towards it was a joke, but also it'd be weird if it's never addressed again, because also the movie ends with him getting his dad out of prison and now George Clooney's the Batman here so does that mean if we see the Flash again it's because he's run to another timeline where it's the new Batman but then in that timeline is his dad out of prison <laughs> did he do this for nothing like what if in this timeline George Clooney is just Bruce Wayne and somebody else is Batman that'd be funny <laughs> yeah who knows it it was funny and I, I definitely was shocked by it but yeah I guess it maybe begs more questions um, and then the last like I think in terms of cast uh, Sasha Kaye, um as Supergirl, I think is an interesting one. I saw a quote she said today, I think, that I'll bring up real quick. But yeah, whenever Michael Keaton's Batman died, I wasn't too surprised. I know the original plans were for him to uh, end up going on to be in Batgirl that got canceled. And I think he, they said publicly that there was going to be a cameo for him in Aquaman 2 that they may have replaced with Ben Affleck. Who the hell knows? But for her... I think it's different for her to die. He's like, well, we just got her, you know, big intro and there wasn't a whole lot for her to do in this one yet. So I hope she comes back as like a different, like a multiversal variant of herself. And she did say that she met with Peter Safran recently and basically came out of that meeting very positive. Like she said something along the lines of, I feel like this is kind of the role I've been waiting in a way to play my whole life. I feel like you wouldn't mention meeting with Safran and then in the same sentence basically say something as positive as that. Uh, and we do know James Gunn has announced that part of his like chapter one slate is a movie, I believe, called Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, I yeah. believe. So this could very well mean that she'll be leading that project as like a different, you know, multiverse counterpart of the character we met in this movie. And that's what I'm hoping for. And I think there is some weight to meeting with Peter Safran and James Gunn because Jason Momoa had that video of him meeting with. James Gunn and Peter Saffron, and he's staying on as Aquaman and also might be playing Lobo. So sounds like if you meet with these two, you get to keep your parts. And, you know, aside from the actors, I think another exciting thing is Andy Muschietti directing Brave and the Bold. Um, after seeing this, was it perfect? No, but I really enjoyed myself. We know that he can handle darker material. I love It Chapter One and I love Mama. So I'm hoping he can bring something, uh, you know, a bit more, you know, this was a movie that kind of fit what you would expect of a Flash project. So I'm sure he can bring some of his sensibilities to make something great for Batman. And I'm excited. 
that's what really excites me is this horror background pairing that with a Batman character um, getting into those like shadowy aspects of Batman and his villains. He had some really cool Batman moments in this movie. Um, we haven't talked about it, but the bat wing, the plane looks oh, the coolest yeah. it's ever looked. Uh, Michael Keaton has some great moments in the shadows. So can't wait to see what he does with a full Batman movie. Completely agreed. So before we close out here, let's do some Arnie's Podcast Awards. This is the part of our show where we take something that we just talked about. It can be positive, it can be negative, or it can be anything in between. It's just something that we feel deserves a specific award. So, Austin or Keith, who has something? All right, guys. There's a scene in this movie where Matt and I almost puked out loud in the theater. And it was whenever that sandwich was being made. There oh. was a moment... When that thumb goes down on that raisin, <laughs> on that peanut butter. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. It was so gross. It was a close-up. I'm going to give the uh, the Sticky Sandwich Award to, I guess, whatever that guy's name was. The guy who was like, was that fast enough for you? We'll just call him, <laughs> we'll just call him the Sandwich Guy. We'll just... The sandwich Guy. Yeah. Sticky Sandwich Award goes to the Sandwich Guy. I'm going to give the Dead Baby Award to Barry oh. Allen or The Flash. Uh, he puts a baby in the microwave. There's mm-hmm. not very much, and closes the door. There's not very much air in a microwave compartment. That baby fell a very long ways. It also then just got left on the stretcher without the door being open for several minutes. That is a Dead Baby Award. <laughs> Congratulations, Barry Allen. Uh, you presented that nurse with a dead baby. Austin. How dare you. Austin. It it was slow motion, so the baby only fell for like ten seconds, and then he was only sitting there for like another ten seconds. He could hold the baby's his breath. dead, Keith. They have very <laughs> tiny lungs. I'm gonna give. Whoa, is that the guy from the Nespresso commercials award? I'm gonna give it to this young man that I'm looking up on Wikipedia named George Clooney. I don't know if he's acted in things before. <laughs> I love his Nespresso products, um, and so I thought it was a cool cameo. I could see him as Batman. Uh, but in all seriousness, like, what Didn't was the you last love time? him in Up in the Air? Uh, I guess so. Was that like the last time you guys saw him in anything? <laughs> what was the last time he was acted in things? He hasn't Ocean's acted 13. forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the third Ocean's film. <laughs> so, but I am happy for. that he could potentially be maybe coming back as Batman because he has certainly learned to act since the 90s. <laughs> so maybe we'll get a good performance. Wow. <laughs> And with that, everyone, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we'd really appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back next Tuesday for our Indiana Jones retrospective and review ahead of Dial of Destiny releasing. We'll basically just revisit the previous four movies to see how we like them, how they hold up, or maybe how they don't hold up and more. So that's going to be fun. We mentioned doing this for this episode last time, but we made a bit of a scheduling oopsie. Uh, But don't worry, that will be coming next week. So are you guys excited for a revisit? Yeah, I've actually completed my Indiana Jones rewatch. First time I have seen these movies for the second time, and I will leave you with this teaser. I think Temple of Doom is worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Mm, Interesting take, Austin. Temple of Doom was tough. It was a tough <laughs> watch. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not as far as you, Austin, but I'm, but I'm almost there. I, I've watched the first three so far, so I, got, I need to watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull this week, and then I'll be there. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to breaking these down with you guys. Well, I hope you enjoy your time with Shia. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> you mean Mutt? <laughs> <laughs> Mutt Williams? <laughs> I'm excited to. Uh, I'll leave you with this as my teaser. 
We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> the dog? Oh, Jesus. Um, Dad! Dad! <laughs> Dad! <laughs> and lastly, we want to hear from you guys. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of The Flash? Did you get hyped for Nicolas Cage like we did? Alternatively, is it good or a secret travesty that George Clooney showed up at the end? Anything you say will read on the show. <laughs> Anything you say will read on the show and rant to it live on our latest episode. That's right. And speaking of that, Keith, we do have a comment from Instagram here on our Ted Lasso post that I wanted to read. Ooh. It was pretty good. Uh, from at Casey's Place of Stuff. Because remember, uh, we all loved it, which means we were in the minority. But here's what Casey had to say. Too much told, not shown. Dropped or wasted subplots. What was good was phenomenal, but what wasn't was meant to dismal. And Nate's whole arc was utterly disappointing and shallow. And you know what, Casey, I got to say, you are not alone. Um, we were, I think, more surprised maybe than anyone else that we kind of liked a lot of the stuff that maybe you didn't. So I don't fault you. Uh, thanks for writing in. I think that's a fair enough comment. Uh, definitely the side stuff was bad in Ted Lasso season three. But I think the core team in Ted Lasso dynamic was the best it's ever been. Thanks, Casey, for writing us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry we let you down again. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and close out. So remember to tune in next week for our big Indiana Jones episode. That's going to be fun. We'll see you then. I can't wait. See you. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs>